following message is presented by Erie Evangelical Free Church in Erie, Illinois. We are a church that exists for the good of our proud to share the gospel of Jesus Christ as we seek to know him and make him known. As I said, for any of you who are here for the first time, and, and um, <clears throat> the nice thing about being 72 is I can almost look out of here and think, hey, you're all here for the first time. Uh, <laughs> You got to be old to get that one. Um, when I was a kid, one of my first loves, um, besides her, uh, was music and baseball. I loved baseball. I really did. And I would have probably pursued baseball, but I couldn't throw, catch, or hit. So, and running was questionable. And, and that kind of put it out on things. But man, I loved the game. I loved the game. I played every single day. We would, I'd ride my bike about the mile into town, and we would find a place to play, whether it was wiffle ball on the tennis courts uh, or baseball someplace. But we played every single day. And when I wasn't playing it, I was watching it. Back then, it was Saturday afternoon, NBC News, uh, Dizzy Dean and Pee Wee Reese. And weeknights, I'd have my ear to the radio listening to the Chicago White Sox broadcast. So winters became kind of long. And I, I, I come to understood uh, what baseball legend Rogers Hornsby once said when he, he said, people ask me what I do in the winter when there's no baseball. I tell you what I'll do. I stare out the window and wait for spring. Yeah, I love baseball. Uh, it has a grace. It has an elegance. It's like a ballet on dirt and grass. When there, There's nothing better than a ground ball hit up the middle with the bases loaded and everybody moving to their places and their position. It's just something, something special about baseball. And that brings me to t-ball. Got any t-ballers in here? All right, we got some T-ballers. T-ball is great. T-ball is great because it's that starting level. And, and you see these kids who, who uh, maybe haven't had a lot of experience with baseball. Some have, but uh, you see a lot who haven't. And, and we used to call us T-ball herd ball. <laughs> because wherever the ball was hit, now, now the ball gets hit, okay? And now the battle begins, Right? It's the ball against 10 kids who are all trying to attack it. And the ball always wins. Somehow it always does. But it's just so much fun to see the, the enthusiasm and excitement in these kids as they, as they start learning to play baseball. And, the, and baseball is one of those things that I see a lot of parallels between baseball and what we try to do as a church and what we try to be as a church. And I think what God wants us and calls us to be as a church. So we're going to talk about that for a few moments this morning. If you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn to uh, 1 Corinthians 12. Kind of a classic passage concerning the church and concerning who we are as believers. In chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, and I want to, I'm just going to read as we go here. Um, the first point is simply this. We are one team. We are one 
team. We are called to unity. Not just in this church, but we are one with all the believers of this, this world. And if you've gone through the dig class, you know we talk about the fact that we, there is the universal church and there is the local church. The universal church, for those of you, uh, some of us go back, uh, if, if, you're, if you grew up as a Methodist like I did years and years ago, you, you memorize the Apostles' Creed, and it used to say, and the Holy Catholic Church. And I'm like, wait a minute, I'm not Catholic. This is not a Catholic church, but it meant universal church. The, we, were, we were part of the universal body of believers everywhere. Right now, as we speak all over this country, our fellow believers are worshiping just as we have been. That's a mighty powerful voice being lifted up. So there is a universal church. We're one body with the universal church. Paul makes this clear in Ephesians chapter 4 that was read for us earlier as prisoner of the Lord. Be completely humble and gentle. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father who is over all, through all, and in all. One body. One body. We're one team. Anybody who's ever coached, I remember years ago, um, the NBA, one of the NBA teams uh, traded for and bought some players, and these were all the marquee players of, of the NBA, and this was going to be the powerhouse team. Guess what? It didn't click. Too many egos, too much clashing. You can bring all the right people together, and it might not work. But here in the church, we are called to unity. We're called to be one church. And your membership requirement, by the way, I know some of you have gone through membership for this church, for the local church, and others are in the process now. But your membership for the one body, the universal church, is... is well, it's relatively simple. Faith in Jesus Christ. A proclamation that Jesus Christ is Lord, that you have surrendered your life, lock, stock, and barrel, to Christ. Membership in the church, whether it's universal or this church, is about responsibility, not privilege. Remember the credit card used to, you know, used to be uh, something about membership brings privilege. Here, it brings a cross. Ask Peter and James and some of the rest from the very beginning what it cost them to follow Jesus. Now there is privilege because along with this membership comes eternity in heaven. Not a bad perk. And what binds us together in this unity is God's Holy Spirit. And 1 John continually reminds us of that. So we are one team. We are one team. And that's exactly what Paul says, verses 12 and 13. 
15. The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. You see, we don't all have to look alike. We don't all have to come from the same place. We don't all have to be the same race. We don't all have to have the same backgrounds. We all don't have to be uh, men. We don't all have to be women. There are believers in China. There are believers in Africa. There are believers... Everywhere in this world. He goes on to say in verses 14 through 20. Now the body is not made up of one part but of many. If the foot should say because I am not a hand I do not belong to the body. It would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say because I am not an eye I do not belong to the body. It would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? And if it, and it is, there are many parts, but one body. So secondly, we are uniquely positioned. You watch a baseball game, and, and, and everybody, especially as you move up levels, everybody is specialized. There are left-handed relief pitchers. Now, we had a young man from Walnut who uh, actually became an all-star for Milwaukee Brewers, and uh, he was a right-handed closer. And that meant he only came in in like the eighth and ninth innings of a game. There are utility players that have a specific place to play. Second baseman, right fielders, they all know their position. And what's this mean to the church? It means that each one of us here is uniquely gifted for service. We are uniquely positioned by God to serve in the best way that we can serve according to our gifts and according to who we are. You're not all called to be pastors. We're not all called to teach Sunday school. Ask me about that. I have absolute respect, the most respect imaginable for anybody who teaches from the little ones on up through junior high. I subbed for her one week. I haven't subbed since. It's just not me. It's not what I'm gifted to do. And you may say, well, I, I, that's wonderful, but I don't know what I'm gifted to do. Okay, let me ask you just three questions. What do you love to do? What do you really love to do? Secondly, what do you do well? I'm talking about in the church and in the context of ministry. And finally, what do you do that blesses others? Some of you are incredible note writers. 
some of you, when I get an envelope and I see your name on, I just know I'm going to be blessed. And I'm going to be encouraged. Some of you have other ways of expressing your faith. We go on in verses 21 through 24. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body. Okay, let's, let's just stop right there. Third thing is simply this. We are each uniquely important. There is not a single person in this body who is not important to what God wants to do with this church. And you can say, well, ah, you know what? Everybody else, there's plenty of people to to take on the ministry of the church. I don't need to, I don't need to bother. You know what? We're like, a, I've, a, I've said this many times before, we're like a big jigsaw puzzle. And if there's one piece missing, we're not a jigsaw puzzle. We're not a complete picture. Every single one of us here is important, from the youngest to the oldest. We all have a place and a part to play. No one is above another. The one who cleans bathrooms, who paints tables, who checks mouse traps, are equally as important to the workings of the church as the pastor, the elders, the discovery group teachers. And if you think somehow, now listen carefully. This is the harshest thing I'm going to say to you probably. But if you think you're better, smarter, or more spiritual than anyone else here, I think you need to spend some time on your knees. And if you think, oh man, I just can't. I, I'm not worthy of doing anything. I'm not worthy of, of being a part of, of, of this. You know what? You're probably the most worthy. You are important. You are important. No one is too big to do the smallest of jobs. I've shared this story before, and I love this, of, of uh, Joseph Stoll when he was president of Moody Bible Institute. And he got in the elevator one morning, and, and the cleaning woman was wiping the walls down. Well, she was a short woman, and the walls in this elevator were pretty high, and she couldn't reach them. So Stoll just reached down and grabbed the rag, and he starts washing Walls and, and pretty soon it got all over the campus of Moody that Dr. Stoll was washing walls in the elevator like that's beneath him. No, it's not. No, it's not. Not one of us is better than any other in this church. So we go on verses 24, the second half. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it. So there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for one another. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Man, that is so good. It means 
Well, first of all, the point is simply this. We are all people under authority. It's a thing called the sovereignty of God. If we're going to call ourselves followers of Jesus Christ, then we submit to the authority of God, to the sovereignty of God, that God is God and the only God, and God, guess what? He's always right. I remember a great song that just came to mind that Jonathan wrote early in his, his writing career. And it was about a friend of ours, who, uh, th- this wonderful girl that we just loved to death. And she was, she was uh, attractive, she was talented, but her self-esteem had kind of taken a hit somewhere along the line. And Jonathan wrote this song called Not One Mistake. And it essentially was written to her for her. It said, you know what, God never makes a mistake. God didn't make a mistake with you. Some of you are sitting here right now and you're thinking, man, man, I'm too this, I'm too that, I'm too young, I'm too old, I'm too poor, I'm too busy. I'm, whatever it may be that you are too of, guess what? God's still there. We're all under authority. In a baseball game, we're all under. You play with a manager or a coach. Now, here's where it gets interesting. How teachable are you? How teachable are you? Are you, are you one of those players that doesn't listen to your coach? Ah, I know better. Or are you one who is coachable? A good coach sees the big picture. He has control of who plays where, of what each person's role is. We're all under authority. From me, all throughout this congregation, we are all people under authority. Our God is that authority. Finally, just this one verse, 27. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. We must be committed. We must be committed to the team. (coughs) And it takes our total commitment to be successful in what we do. A baseball team can have the best players imaginable, but if they're not committed to the success of the team, they'll never be successful. Let me close very quickly here with just... uh, I, I, I had a lot of favorite baseball players when I was growing up. Somewhere in a box of cards that got burned out, I had a 1961 Roger Maris baseball card. If I had that card, I wouldn't be here. I'd probably be in Acapulco, uh, retired. Um, but, I, you know, among the many players that I admired as, as a kid growing up, because these were your heroes, you know, these, these, were, these were men that, that you idolized in a way. One of them was a guy named Yogi Berra. 
Some of you remember Yogi Berra. He, not only was he famous for baseball, because he was a great baseball player. His records were amazing. But his statistics and the number of times he was elected to the uh, All-Stars. But he had a way of killing the English language. Uh, things like when you come to a fork in the road, take it. You gotta think that one through. <laughs> and he had many others. But the thing about Yogi Berra was his loyalty, his faithfulness to the team. He was with the New York Yankees for 19 seasons. I'll guarantee you, I don't think there's a player out there. Maybe some of you who are baseball fans can tell me that, but there's no one I doubt that comes close to that in Major League Baseball today. That kind of loyalty is long gone. It was sold out to money and everything else. But, but Yogi Berra stayed with the New York Yankees for 19 seasons. Another one was Cal Ripken Jr. Cal Ripken Jr. played in 2,632 consecutive games, a record I'm pretty sure is never going to be broken. Because he played once with a dislocated disc in his back. He said, I just went to the ballpark every day. I showed up. I showed up and I loved what I did. I played for the love of the game. Whether I was hurt or not. I think there's a lesson in that for us as a church that we need to show up more. We need to be better at our commitment to one another and our commitment to God's church. I'm trying to think how to say this delicately, but we can't be in it for us. Rick Warren wrote that incredibly popular book, uh, The Purpose Driven Life. And the first words were simply this. And a lot of people just skipped over the first words. The first four words were, it's not about you. This church is not about any one of us. It is about all of us. Even more so, it's about all of them. It's about us being a witness in this world. These are the days of Elijah. Imagine just how crazy this world might get. And in the midst of it, we are going to stand strong and firm and faithful. We're going to stand and be pro-life no matter what comes down the pike. We're going to stand for biblical values and biblical truth no matter what. If that scares you a little bit, good. Mostly I hope it just excites you. We're going to play for the love of the game. For the love of the mission that God has given us. Because our God is a great God. Who has given us more than we can ever imagine. More than we could ever think about repaying. You and I. We, we 
talk about the gospel every single week here because it is important because you never know when there's one person sitting in here who may have sat in church for years and maybe heard the gospel over and over again. I was a kid. I would sit with my dad and watch Billy Graham crusades constantly. And I would hear those invitations and George Beverly Shea singing Just As I Am. It wasn't until 27, I was 27 years old, that I responded to that gospel. Maybe God's speaking to you this morning. You need to talk to somebody. You need to talk to me or our elders are here, others in this congregation, who would be glad to take you deeper. Our God is an awesome God. He's a great God who loves us with a love that we can never repay, a love that caused him to send his own son, his one and only son, to the cross so that we might live. That's it. Let's pray. Father, for... your gift of life that you have given us. Sending your son to the cross to pay a price that we couldn't pay. To make a sacrifice that we could never, ever, ever make. And sometimes, God, we walk in such ignorance of that and, and we are so forgetful and ungrateful. God, make this church a church that is excited, grateful, faithful, loving, generous, wherever we go, as far as our arms and hands and feet reach. May you be glorified. Father, we thank you, we praise you, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you'd like more information about Erie Evangelical Free Church or our ministries, please visit www.eriefree.com or join us in person at 1409 16th Avenue, Erie, Illinois.